talk us through those 80 minutes. No, we prepared to win. We knew that we were here to make history. All week, that's what we told ourselves. And you know what? I'm so proud of the boys. Absolutely humbled. And the guys came out. They played with enormous testicles. And we absolutely did it. Fantastic effort. I'm such a happy captain. G'day, one and all, and welcome to another episode of The Dropped Kickoff, our third episode covering NRC 19. And with the regular season now done and dusted, we are now looking forward to what getting close uh, quarter semi-finals. I am joined once again by McKay. How are you doing, mate? I'm well, mate. Glad to be back. And I, and I need to offer an apology straight up front because I listened back to our last chat a couple of days later and my voice sounded terrible. <laughs> it was in the middle of a in the middle of a long stretch leading into the uh, into the Raiders run into the grand final, um, and yeah, that didn't sound great. So I'm in a much happier, healthier uh, place now, and uh, quite just quite enjoying um, a little bit of time off after said grand final. In fact, which has been really timely with uh, with some great rugby world cup action and and obviously the NRC semis this weekend. So uh, looking forward to getting into it, into it, mate. I've been seeing you've been hitting on the you've been hopping on the golf course. How's uh, uh, how's it been back? <laughs> how's it been back on there? Oh, it's it's been it's been a long time coming. Let's let me say that. Um, but no, great great to great to get out on the golf course again. Any time you get out there is uh, is wonderful. So uh, yes, hoping might squeeze another round in before I head back to work too. Yeah, indeed. And look, I think I'm so I'm surprised. I'm, I appreciate you coming on, considering how much time. It, um, how busy you've been because when it comes to Rugby World Cup and NRC, it has been unbelievably busy and hectic and high octane. And I think it's uh, we've got our five questions again uh, for this week, and we'll start uh, with question one. What was was that the closest regular season of NRC we've had so far? Question two, uh, keeping with the theme of, of us covering it in previous podcasts, but we have to, seeing as they're the main the big main change of this year, the New South Wales NRC teams, do we rank them as a pass or a fail for 2019? Question three, which team was the big improver of the regular season? Question four, our predictions. Uh, We have the NRC Rising Star Award, which is coming up and will be presented next week. Who do we think is going to win the NRC Rising Star Award for 2019? And then lastly, number five, what are our predictions for the upcoming semi-final of rugby? So I reckon we'll dive straight into the uh, the rounds we just had. I think that going into this round, it was unbelievably close. I think there was only three points separating what was sixth and, and third leading into it. And now we have the results that we had on the weekend, which was... Uh, Canberra Vikings defeating New South Wales Country, which effectively knocked New South Wales Country out of contention. Sydney going down to the Western Force. The Fiji Endura pulling uh, one of the most unbelievable victories I've ever seen out of uh, against uh, Queensland Country 26-24. And then lastly, Brisbane City getting home with an incredible defensive effort uh, at East Rugby Club to defeat the Melbourne Rising. Brett, look, we, you and me have been covering this competition for a while. Is this surely this has been the closest season of the NRC we've had, isn't it? Well, it it feels like it, but I've very deliberately pulled up the tables for the last couple of years, um, only to find that it's very much on par, <laughs> which which is which is somewhat deflating, I'm, I'm sure. But um, like a look at you look at the way the tables finished this year and. And the Force and Campbell were out in front, and I don't think anyone was overly surprised by that. But then Fiji and Brisbane City finish equal on 17. Fiji gets through on um, on four and against. Uh, New South Wales Country on 16. Queensland Country on 15. And, and and the two country sides were third and fourth going into the final round and finish, end up finishing the year fifth and sixth, which is harsh on paper. But, you know, that's I guess that speaks to the closeness of the competition. Last year... I look at the table and Fiji finished three points clear on 27 and then had Queensland Country, Western Force and the Vikings all within two points of each other to to round out the top four and Brisbane City were were another four points behind the Vikings in fifth. So that's similarly tight. And then you go back to 2017 
the Vikings and, and Queensland country finished equal on six wins and 29 points. Then mm. Fiji finished finished third on 22. And then you had Perth in fourth on 20, New South Wales country on 20, Brisbane city on 20. Mm. So the last couple, and then even, so the last couple of years, there's been a real log jam of teams running third to sixth or second to fifth. So, you know, there's the, been mm. that that middle grouping of four teams. So I, I was with you. I thought this was similarly tight and, and maybe tighter than we've ever seen it, but it turns out that it's just as tight as we've seen it for the last few years. Yeah, and I think it's – well, look, it's, it's it, it kind of amazes me, though, I think, looking – at what the end results were. I mean, at first I was, because I mean, I was I was really barracking for, for New South Wales country to make it as an example. And just to see them slip gradually down the ladder, down the ladder as the results kept coming in was incredibly uh, frustrating. But at the same time, putting that aside, I just thought to myself, this is a testament of how far this competition has come in terms of yeah. the depth. We've been yeah. talking about it all season and we've been talking about how anyone on any given day can uh, can knock um, someone off. And I think to see, you know, you're, you're looking at the results, you've got, um, yes, you have Canberra with five wins and the Western Force with six on top of the table, but everyone else after that, there are four teams that, with, that picked up wins. three yeah. wins. And there's no doubt that three draws in the first couple of rounds, like there was three draws in the first three rounds, uh, that has mm. upset things because certainly in a, in a seven-round competition, um, Three wins has historically never been enough to make the finals. Uh, yet, mm. yet, yet, uh, yet, Fiji and, and Brisbane City both go in with three wins. Uh, Fiji had two draws. Brisbane City had one in there as well. So, Fiji have effectively gone in with four wins. Um, yeah, Brisbane City have gone in with with three wins, a draw, and three bonus points. So, you know, that, that's pretty close to four wins as well. So, look, it's been it's been a great competition, no doubt about it. Um, and and it all sort of adds to a fairly enthralling penultimate weekend this weekend. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's the fact that we have the four teams that we do, you know, you can really, you really get a sense that these teams really earned to get here, th- those final yeah. four positions. Brisbane City have been consistent throughout the entire season. Fiji and Drua, you know, yes, they had a, a slow start, but they came back and played some outstanding rugby to, mm. and they really earned that position. And I think even though it is, you know, it is a logjam, it I think it's in the end it's pretty accurate of where, yeah, where the teams yeah. are at. I I, can, I can't really disagree with that. I, I would have, I, I would really only say New South Wales country were probably unlucky to miss out. And by the same token, I, I'd probably say Fiji were the probably the the lucky ones to get in there because certainly early on I didn't feel like Fiji were playing great rugby and were as strong a team as, as they were last year. I still don't think they are. Um, mm. But New South Wales country, I think, um, have shown themselves to be – I think I think they were genuinely a top-four team this year. Um, and, mm. you know, and, and I guess that shows by the fact that they missed out on being a top-four team by one point. So, you know, their, their, their record is pretty good. They're – yeah, their defensive the def- defensive record is actually the best in the competition. So yeah, um, you know, and and by a good margin. So mm. um, you know, I I think there's probably reasoning there. I, we we said from the outset that the Force and Canberra were were going to start favourites. They finished top two. No one's surprised by that. But very early mm. on, after a couple of really good wins over Sydney and Melbourne, I sort of thought, yeah, there's actually something about. New South Wales country and the way they're able to grind out and get that draw back against Fiji, I was, I was pretty happy to keep to keep them in my semi-final reckoning. Um, and then it was sort of going to be a matter, of, I guess, of who who of Brisbane City and Queensland country could get through um, from from up north. And and there probably isn't really much between them in the end. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And I think it's and it, it, like again, it's a testament to how to the depth of the competition. And I think kind yeah. of uh, us touching on New South Wales country probably leads in quite nicely yeah. into question two. Um, so you know, we've been talking. You and I've been have been talking about it all year because you know the big change was that this year was the first proper year that the New South Wales, that New South Wales rugby and the Waratahs were on board um, with the with uh, with the NRC and you had the two teams in Sydney and New South Wales country being managed um, out of uh, out of Darcyville by out of um, Waratahs HQ you had you know, shoot shield coaches you had more shoot shield players and 
the question is, would we consider this season a success for them or a failure? I mean, Sydney obviously finished they finished bottom of the ladder um, with uh, with one win and six losses. But like we said, New South Wales country, they had a really great season. You need three wins and three losses and a draw. But they were in the top four and pretty much until the final round. And even though they didn't uh, end up making it all the way, they still, for, for example, they still won the Horn Little Shield at the end of the season yeah. as well. Would we, in your I opinion, I, I, have to, I have to admit I completely lost track of the Horn Little Shield, so I didn't, <laughs> didn't realise Yeah. <laughs> they, um, well, I think because if you, if they, I think they, they because they beat the force, um, the force had held it for quite some time. Um, because they beat the force, they were they were the holders. Oh, they, they it, won it was often. every week, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and you don't. But because if I think for the first two rounds, you if you you can if you're away from playing away from home, you don't have to put it you up. That's right. Yeah. And and yeah, the country's right. last two rounds were away from both of them were away from home. There you go. Well, there mm. you go. Well, oh, look, and that's and that's a little sidelight in itself. The fact that. The fact, the fact that I've managed to lose track of that probably says something for that not enough was done around that. And it's a World Cup year, I get that. You know, it's, it's easy for things to slip off the radar. But, um, yeah, we, we, I, I think, I think we, need, we need to stay on top of that a lot, a lot more mm. next year across the NRC. Um, uh, yeah, I assume the Ben Robinson bell is still... Something going on between us. No, I, yeah, I have no idea what's happened to the Ben Robertson yeah. bill. And it, and it actually, in which, actually, yeah, in which it, case, New Wales country would have won that in the first round, wouldn't they? Actually, yeah. If there's anyone from the Waratahs who's who's listening to this podcast, um, find the find the Ben Robertson bell because I thought it was it, it's a, it's an awesome thing to play for. And I remember mm-hmm. we being there when we when Greater Sydney Rams, I think it was 2017, lost it. And New South Wales country run won the yeah. bell, and Paddy Ryan got to have a beer out of it and and ring it at the end of at the end of the thing. But I was thinking, if, like you know, if if you can't drink out of a cup, drinking out of a bell, I'll tell you what, next best thing. Worst thing. <laughs> yes, I mean, the next best thing. A, you turn a bell upside down. There's a handle right there at the bottom in for your for your convenience. I think it's a bloody great thing to drink out of. But anyway, we're getting ourselves off track. <laughs> <laughs> a quick, a quick little sidelight to that though. Like we, we know, we know what the the Andy Purcell Cup means to Queensland country and Brisbane City. So, you know, the Horn Little Shield needs to have that greater, greater significance for the competition. So we, we definitely need to make more of that in 2020. No, no doubt. Mm, yeah, absolutely. So, um, so, back, so back on the New South Wales teams. Um, are they, is it a pass or a fire? Look, look at, I mean, looking at the. At the at the table, you you have to be a bit critical and call it a failure. But I think New South Wales country have been really good, and and, and I think actually think Sydney are a better team than than their record showed as well. So I'm actually a little bit reluctant to to call either campaign a, a failure just because of what they managed to. Like New South Wales country were, were a, I think a genuine. As I've said, they were a, they were a top four team, and and if they had got through a semi final, then they would have taken some beating. There's no there's no question about that. They were a, they were a good team, coached well by Robert Taylor in his first year, um, and that wouldn't have been easy in itself coming in to the Eagles setup after Darren Coleman's been there for four years, um, five five years. I've actually done him sold yeah. him short there. See, yeah. uh, so so you know Rob Rob had a bit of a job ahead of him, and he's pulled together a pretty good squad in a week and they've played some good rugby had a good mixture of Waratahs and young, young blokes coming through and they played some, some pretty good rugby. Sydney on the other hand, probably had more youngsters and club players and they did, did contracted players like that. And I think they probably got more out of that, but I think it was important that we saw the likes of Lockie Swinton um, and Ryan McCauley, particularly who we haven't seen a lot of at this level in, in recent years. Um, Okay, a couple of the young young props as well did did alright. I, I just think we we started seeing a little bit more. And then Will Harrison was was outstanding. Mitch Short beside mm. him was really good. Uh, Lalakai Fakedi was 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 really good out in the centres as well. So I thought I think there was plenty of good signs from Sydney. And I think there's also no doubt that being properly under the banner of New South Wales rugby this year. Um, has definitely had an impact. It could definitely yeah. be better, and I'm sure it will be better in subsequent years. But there, it was—I I think it was obvious early on, if not throughout the tournament—that 
it meant more to New South Wales. And and maybe next year when Rob Penny actually is has been there for a year, is used to the setup and all that, there'll be more importance placed on the Sydney and, and the New South Wales country campaigns in the NRC as well. So um, I, I think I think it's it's a much better improve a, a, a much better showing from the New South Wales teams. I stand by my my point that I always said the season that a New South Wales country side that a New South Wales side wins the NRC will be the season that it becomes that it's legitimised. And that's hard on the competition for every year's run before it, but that's what it's going to take for, unfortunately, for the die in the wool Sydney club rugby supporters to actually take this competition seriously. Yeah, and, well, I mean, for me, uh, after 2018, when country and Sydney came bottom of the ladder, I was very much of the mindset of how much we we needed something new to try. It was it, it was kind of going to the point where you need they needed to do something. And and for me, even though I'm disappointed with with like I I was just going into this season going I'll take any improvement anything because for for the state which has so much rugby talent, the lack of success at NRC was a real blight on how we view the game at a national level and how it is reflective mm. of the game at a national level. If you want, if the NRC is a real indicator of, of the, of the growing talent in this, in, uh, in Australia, then the two teams from New South Wales have to be the two of the strongest teams in the competition, just because mm, yeah. of the amount of talent that's available in both country, New South Wales, and of course in Sydney. Um, so I was, I'm, very much going to give this a pass because New South Wales, I think the Waratahs did a, a great job in terms of managing the teams a lot better. Even though the results didn't come for Sydney, I there were so many players that stood up. And I think that's even reflective in the fact that, you know, nearly half of the, um, in, both in, in New South Wales country and in Sydney, nearly half the players selected for the Rising Star Award, which we'll talk about in a bit, were, were from New South Wales teams. Yeah. Um, yeah, you yeah. had so many players that were standing up and showing that potential, both in coming out of the, the likes of your under-19 system, the Australian school systems, all of that, and also from the shoot shield. You've got yeah. the likes of, you know, um, like, you know, Thomas Stan- uh, Tom Stanforth was really always kind of being, a, for example, in New South Wales country, being a leader, and you had the likes of Connor Vest standing up with him, Patrick Tarfa standing around him, and then for Sydney you had Charlie Gamble playing really well. Will Harrison, yeah. like you mentioned, every time he got the ball, he looked fantastic. Um, and that's and that's worth dwelling on because this time last year, yeah, Will Harrison played his first season in NRC rugby and he hadn't yeah. played much first grade last year. He was, he, he was largely playing Colts. And there was some question marks made around, you know, how, how can we take this competition seriously when they're picking blokes out of Colts? But mm. I think the potential is always there. But you look at Will Harrison this year to Will Harrison last year, and he's a significantly better player. Um, yeah. So that's that's a that's a great showing of the NRC doing what it's intended to do. Yeah, exactly. And the the thing I kind of take away from this is, you know, for the for the Waratahs is really we should stick with these playing groups, like what Brisbane City and Queensland Country yeah. have been doing. That'd you be need if you if you stick with these playing groups for the next one year, two years, like I have no doubt that if they persist with this New South Wales country outfit, they'll be a contender for the trophy next year. If they persist with that Sydney outfit, they'll be a contender. They will be a contender for the top four next year potentially. Yeah. yeah. Um. But it's it's re- I think at the end of the day, it's really even though the that you know New South Wales country was unlucky to hit the top four and Sydney didn't the results didn't go their way I'm willing to say that this is the way forward for New South Wales um, in yeah. the NRC in addition I hope that in a, uh, on top of that you know crowds seemed to improve a bit in Sydney as the competition went on um, likewise with uh, in in the country as well I think Potentially, if if you in terms of engagement and getting those um, people from Sydney, from uh, you know those those club stalwarts from Sydney on side, 
get out there and engage the clubs. Get out there and yeah. make those event, make those competi- those games an event. You know, you see the likes of Brisbane City have those. You know, they have a they have family entertainment. The Western Force do have family entertainment around them, jumping castles, food trucks, everything. Just do something like that as well, and you'll get a crowd, and you'll get people interested and get people talking about it, which I think is a really good way forward. The other the other side of the course is that this is the first year where um, games have been much more accessible to watch as well. Um, Indeed, and, and I've yeah. Got, I've got no idea what the numbers have been like on the stream and how it's been affected by World Cup and all that, but, um, you know, it, it's certainly been easier to watch. It's certainly been easier to, to get to. It's You've probably had to look, look for a little, a little bit harder for info this year being a world cup year but um yeah I've, I've got no doubt this is the way forward and and it's probably worth mentioning as well that this time last year this time next year a lot of those young new south wales contracted players in the country in sydney outfits will be 12 months better on that we'll have done 12 months of in a professional program and it's probably fair to say that there won't be nearly as many waratahs in the wallaby squad this time next year so mm. the NRC teams by default will have to be stronger. So, um, yeah, I think they're in a really good place going forward. Yeah, exactly. And I think probably leading on from that, I think we'll probably both mark that as a, as a big improver for New South Wales this year, which is good to say. Um, uh, and we'll touch on to question three, which is to talk about going beyond New South Wales. In terms of the, the regular season as a whole, which team was the big improver? Of the regular season, I think I'll I'll kind of jump in here first because for me there was one team that really did stand out, which was uh, the Melbourne Rising, because at the start of the season when they had their two those two two or three losses, the big loss to Canberra um, in Melbourne, followed by that loss to New South Wales Country, and then the loss to the Western Force in uh, in Perth, um, there was a lot of question marks. There was a lot of question marks not only about the team. Um, but also about how this team was managed, how this team was put together, what the Victorian Rugby Union were doing. Um, but then, you know, they grabbed a cup. They got a couple of wins under their belt. They started to play well. They had that fantastic win against Queensland Country um, and then also put Sydney away and very nearly ran the Fijian Drua home, uh, nearly beat the Fijian Drua and then topped it off with, even though they lost, which I think was one of their best performances of the season, going to one of the strongest teams in the competition, Brisbane City, in Brisbane, and nearly beating them. I thought Mm. the actual progress of that team from where they started in round one, getting flogged by Canberra, to go to Brisbane and play a game that well, I thought was outstanding in terms of how the team turned around in the course of just a seven round season so for me that was they were the big they were the big improvers in terms of just how they played as and how they gelled as a team would you would you agree Brett uh look I'm a little bit surprised I admit um I what what you say I think is is perfectly valid and I can't really argue with it too much but I even though they very nearly come over the top of um of Brisbane City in that in that last game um you know, they still let themselves. I mean, they were down twenty-four nil, um, mm. and 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 really, and only got on the on the scoreboard at halftime for a penalty try. So, yeah, they, look, they they were certainly better in the back half. I'm I'm still not a hundred percent sure of 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 how the the VAU approached the NRC this year. I can see what they're trying to do, um, and I can see how they're trying to use the NRC as a bit of a carrot for um, for, for the best of the, of the Jewish Shield players. Um, but I think we've seen a fairly significant gap between the best Melbourne players and even the best Canberra club players. But yeah, like to say that, and by that, I mean the guys that aren't in the, the Brumby squad, for example. Um, you, you know, I think, I think there's a fair gulf between the, the average club player or the, even the best club player in Melbourne than there is to Canberra and Perth and Brisbane and Sydney. So I can see what they're doing there. Um, I'm not sure I entirely agree with you because I think they were they were a bit ordinary last year as well. Um, for me, and we've we've already touched on them. I, I think New South Wales country are probably the probably the big improvers. Um, mm. And and just 
again, they their defence was was great um, throughout throughout the, uh, the the season. They they only conceded more than um, you know only conceded more than thirty once, um, mm. which is which is which is pretty good. Um, if there's a criticism of them, they didn't get over the line a lot. They they had the best defensive record, but they also had the worst attacking record. So they, they yeah. certainly had a a bit of a um, a bit of an issue there. And but but I think they just had a really good balance in their side. They had a really good set piece. Um, their pack was a good mix of contracted players and and young players. Uh, and so mm-hmm. you, you know, at the end of the year, they finished with. Tom Robertson and uh, Andrew Twout- Taylor was in there. Harry Johnson Holmes played a couple of games. Tom Staniforth was in there, um, and they had someone else who I'm trying to think of whose just name just came in. And then that's on top of having Will Harris and Tommy Horton and a couple of these Patrick Taft that you mentioned before. A couple of these young guys, um, you know, who are now going to be in contracted players next year. Uh, they they look really promising, um, mm-hmm. and they look really promising. Despite Jake White and especially Mac Mason, I don't think they had great campaigns. If I'm honest, Jake, Jake, uh, just sorry, I said Jake White there. Jake Gordon, I mean, <laughs> uh, uh, Jake Gordon was was good. He was perfectly serviceable. He scored very typical Jake Gordon tries, um, but um, but Mac Mason, I don't think had a very good time of it at all. Um, mm. To the point where they played Connor O'Shea at. Um, at yeah. ten for the last couple of games, and he looked really, really promising. Mm. Uh, they and, and then in terms, and and then in turn, they played James Clements at fullback, uh, where they had been playing O'Shea at fullback earlier on, um, mm. and he looked really, really good as well. So, um, you know, they had good experience out wide with Nigel R. Wong coming back, and no one really noticing him playing at outside centre. Mm. Um, but um, yeah, and they had some good finishing on the wing. So I just think they had a really good balance. Um, I, I like. Rob, Robert Taylor's approach as a coach, and I, and I had a really good chat to Robert Taylor earlier this this week. Funnily enough, and you know, just a good rugby guy, you know, just mm. and, and and you know, you you know when you come across someone a good rugby brain, you you you, you want to have a, just a five or ten minute conversation with him, and then thirty five minutes later, <laughs> I've had to say, <laughs> Robert, I've got to let you go. This this is getting ridiculous. <laughs> uh, you know, just. Just, just really good approach to his to his rugby, and and you know he's he's only been over in the street. He's, he's he's very much a Kiwi. You can pick that up as soon as you uh, you start talking to him. But he and he's only arrived over here from um, from Auckland. Um, Twenty sixteen was his first year with Sydney Uni Colts, but yeah. he's got a really good really good record of bringing young players through. Um, and 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 I think we've seen that translate. So we've seen everything that he's done for Sydney Uni. That's translated into New South Wales country as well. So yeah, they're they're the big improvers for me. It's interesting you touch on that because I think the a lot of like you mentioned it. You said Jake Gordon. You think didn't have a good season. I didn't think Ned Hannigan had a very good season either. Um, yeah. In terms of yeah, he, I think he was. Well, he actually, that's, he's di- yeah, that's interesting because I I, th- I thought he was he was really strong if a little bit ill disciplined early on. Um, yes. And I bumped into him on Friday night. Um, down here, down here in Canberra, and he's he's now the reason he didn't finish the comp the season is that um, he's been pulled out of all contact for three months after a few too many concussions and a few yeah. too many too, too close to each other. So even if even if country got through to the semis, he's he's on no contact now until early January. He was telling wow. me. Um, so he's he's still training and he can still do everything, but as soon as the uh, the tackle pads come out, he's got to sit on the sidelines, uh, which he said he's going to be frustrated. But um, mm. but that is is what it is these days. So I actually thought he had a pretty decent campaign up until then, and I even thought he's as a captain he he played played pretty well as as well. But no doubt, uh, and, and and maybe that's what what you picked up with those. Last couple of games that he played, he probably was a bit off the pace, but that's that's the reasoning for it. Yeah, but even if, like, I did, I thought in terms of captaincy, he did a very good job. I think, but I but picking up on that, I did feel like that, you know, he when I've seen him in play in New South Wales country in the past, when he would really stand out, I felt like there was he wasn't at the same in terms of uh, of keeping with the paces as I had yeah. seen him in the past. So I think considering, you, you like you mentioned, he's dealing with, with concussion, that probably makes a lot of sense. But 
I mean, there were a lot of other play, senior players who stood up, like Tom Staniforth, who oh, he's great. He he was a tackling machine. I think he he topped the, the total tackles for uh, for the entire competition. Um, come the end, um, and by a considerable margin, I think he did he did 114 tackles in over the course of of uh, of the entire season, which is a ridiculous amount of tackles for one person to make. Um, and to see the likes of him be around Connor Vest and also Patrick uh, Pat Taffer, I think was the real engine room behind the Eagles' success um, and growth this year. So, look, it's. It's good to see that, that we have different different perspectives on which team improves because again mm. it's a reflection of how of the depth of the competition and how close these teams are. Um, yeah. So I think yeah. So I think what we'll do we'll lead on to question three from uh, sorry question uh, question four from yep. there rather and we'll t- lead into which of the of the we'll lead into the the rising stars award. So um, for those of you who've been keeping track of uh, of the of the of the course of this year, um, every week we uh, Brett has been uh, d- doing an article on uh, rugby.com.au around which player has been standing out, and the player gets um, put in the running to win the NRC Rising Star Award, which is presented next week. Is it? I think uh, it's it's, un- it's unveiled. It's unveiled next week. I think it might be presented formally um, at either the. Rupert Player Lunch or the uh, or the Rugby Australia Awards. I'm not 100% sure on that, but it, it's certainly unveiled next week. Um, and I've got yeah. to be a little bit careful about this because I'm sort of counting votes as it comes in. So uh, mm. <laughs> I've got to I've got to be very careful what I say now. I can, I'll quickly go through the just, just to clarify that the Rising Star there is a little bit a little bit of eligibility about it. It's for it's it, it's rec- it's they'd recognise emerging players who've played. Fewer than three games of Super Rugby and fewer than three tests for the Flying Fijians as well. So it's mm. so it's very much very much for the uh, the Drua player as well. There there wasn't any Drua nominees um, this year, but of course it was won by uh, Alavaretti uh, Vaticani last year in an absolute landslide. This year, um, th- seven really really promising players, um, and and it's been really interesting, really really good to put it together. So going from from round one, it was. Will Harrison from Sydney, then Connor Vest from New South Wales Country, Noel Ursio from Canberra, Fraser McWright from Brisbane City, Harry Wilson from Queensland Country, Byron Ralston from the Western Force, and Will Harris took out the last nomination from uh, New South Wales Country this week. So six of the seven um, nominees are junior wallabies this year, and I think that says a lot Mm. about how good that young playing group is. Um, and as you mentioned before, mate, yeah, if, uh, three of the of the seven coming from um, from New South Wales, which uh, which is another little nod to the, to the future there. I also like the fact that the we had a younger player in from the force coming through as well, um, Brian Ralston. Yeah, Brian um, Ralston. Yeah. Yeah, I've I've been watching him for a while. I think I can you can tell that he's he's learnt a bit from the likes of having Jonah Placid. Uh, playing a lot, playing alongside him, yeah. and seeing what what he does in terms of running lines and his aggressive uh, game line, uh, moving forward over the game line in terms of um, his winger role. So I'm really glad to see uh, the force in terms of their yeah. system that they've got in place with Global Rapid Rugby get a player um, in there as well. well this Tim, is a t- Tim, Tim Sampson said about, and we can we can probably go on, talk about him first up. We're going to go through them all, I know. But uh, mm. Tim Sampson um, said last week that. He'd been keeping a bit of an eye on on Ralston for most of the year. Of course, he played in in Brothers Premiership up in up in Queensland, you know, only two months ago. Mm. Um, and with the force losing a couple of outside backs to uh, to the World Cup, and particularly to uh, the Tongan and the Samoan squads, um, mm. uh, and of course Marcel Brucky to the uh, to the US as well. So they they just needed a a bit of extra finishing outside, and, and he um, he knew straight away that 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 was someone he needed to get get hold of and um and I just love that he's gone from being a pretty handy finisher in obviously for the junior wallabies as well, but being a pretty handy finisher at, at first grade level in Brisbane to being a really handy finisher at NRC level. And I think that's always yeah. a good mark. The mark of the good players is that they get better as they step up. And the classic example of that is, you know, Issy Nicerani over the last five years, who's gone from yeah. 
Brisbane Club Rugby to the NRC to Super Rugby and now the Wallabies, um, almost in successive seasons. And he hasn't looked out of place any any time he's made the step up. And I think that's really good signs. And I hope I hope that is the case for Byron Rolston going forward too. Yeah, I mean, has he has he picked up a, a full time contract with the Force? Or is I don't, it, I don't just... know that. Yeah, I don't know mm. that. I can't answer that. I think um, I think it was just a are very much come over here and see how you go. I'd be very surprised if they're not trying to move yeah. heaven and earth to, to, to lock him down now. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, he was given an opportunity and he's absolutely made it. So, yeah, I would imagine that there is um, there's certainly going to be an opportunity for him there now. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's it's – I can see that it, it, being over there and being in that system, he's really flourished. And it's I think you can tell he's – in terms of confidence, he's grown quite a bit, which is really good to see um, in terms of not only just seeing his own physical ability improve, but also just his confidence and game smarts, um, yeah. especially um, in terms of finishing properly. Um, so I think, uh, where should we begin here? Should we begin with just from round one and, and move yeah, all the way through? I, I reckon. We've, sort of, we've sort of touched on Will Harrison um, already a little bit. And, and as I said, I, I just think the... He he was the standout for Sydney for me this year, and and probably probably one of the standout players of the competition because everything that whenever Sydney looked good, he was generally part of it. And even the last two weeks when he moved to fullback and they played Ben Donaldson at ten, which I'm sure was uh, was calculated as much as it was about. I'm sure it was about wanting to have a look at Donaldson rather than you know dropping Will uh, dropping Harrison. Uh, I certainly don't believe that was the case. Um, mm. Even when he got involved from fullback, he was still yeah. the focal point of the attack. Um, and mm. so he he's just looked really, really promising um, to the point combining onto the fact that Mac Mason probably didn't have a great time of it for New South Wales country. Um, I think that Waratah's number 10 jersey next year is going to be a red-hot competition. Mm. And it's I actually want to also point out in terms of, you know, how we've talked in the past about how Australia has traditionally had – uh, not much, not many stocks when it comes to to fly half uh, positions. It's so good to see that we've got two of uh, two of these uh, out of these seven being fly halves who are standing out. Yeah, which is yeah. I think, which is really positive. I uh, very much agree in about Will Harrison. The thing that really impressed me was was that versatility. Um, yeah, being able to shift from the fly half position to the fullback position and not even. But it didn't affect his performance one bit, no, and I thought no. that was absolutely fantastic to see in terms of his uh, the, his versatility, his way to read the game um, from fullback from, compared to fly half, and just he grew so much, and it was really clear that even though um, Sydney, you know, in some instances found themselves um, on the wrong end of the scoreline, um, he was always someone no matter mm. win, loss, draw, whatever, he would always be standing up. And yeah. that is something that, in terms of not just from player experience, but a leadership role is something that is incredibly valuable. And yeah. I really hope, and that I reckon he'll do really well going forward um, with the Waratahs as they rebuild that squad with the new coach next year. Yeah, there's there's no um, there's no better time to be a, a young fly half in Australian rugby um, going into the 2020 season because there is going to be um, so many opportunities for for young tens around the country and and you know we've mentioned Ben Donaldson we're going to mention Noel Alessio shortly Bailey Kernsel down here in Canberra is another one um, who's who has looked really promising as well um, you know uh, Isaac Lucas has been looking really good mm. really good for Brisbane City um, you know so there's 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 really good opportunities but yeah Harrison's been really really good good goal kicker as well. Um, has kicked, kicked tactically pretty well through the competition. So, yeah, I, I think he's got a lot of promise. Um, and we are definitely going to hear more about him uh, even just next year. I've got no doubt at all. I I hope we hear more about Connor Vest next year as well. And, and I sort of yeah. feel sorry for him. He was the, he was the round two nominee um, and was really, really good in the first two rounds and then didn't play another game until I think round six he came back off the bench. Yeah, that's uh, right. So, so that was so that was a bit of a 
a bit of a rising star curse for me, unfortunately. And it sort of hit Noel Alessio as well because he was really strong for five rounds and then um, hasn't played the last two rounds whilst Bailey Kearns has done really well <laughs> at 10 for the Vikings. So I was sort of wondering there for a while uh, whether I was on to something. But but um, but Connor Vest, I mean, I, he's played a few seasons of NRC now and I knew him primarily as a, as a blindside flanker but shifted into, yeah. into lock this year and looked really really good didn't he just has got mm. he's got that you can you can tell he's played in the back row uh so he's got a strong strong carrying strong defense strong on the ball um at the breakdown but then his set piece work it, it, it was was really good in the line out particularly um and he just just looked really really comfortable playing lock so yeah he he, he certainly impressed impressed early on yeah so i've been watching Connor Vest for quite uh, a long time. Um, you know he's he's been in the in the Sydney Rays um, outfit. He plays in he's been play, around in the northern suburbs outfit here in the Shoot Shield. Um, and every single season, um, I think pretty much from that that 2016 uh, 2016 season. Um, when when North went and went, won the uh, the grand final in the yeah. Shoot Shield, yeah. and then went on, and then in the Sydney Rays outfit went on to make the semi-finals. Yeah, right. he moved forward by leaps and bounds in terms of his uh, playmaking ability, and um, I think it's it says a lot about the quality of the New South Wales scrum that uh, that we have so many people that stood up in the scrum. Um, in that front, in that forward pack this year, and it, it was a pity that we didn't get to see any more of him, um, because I think he's really a fantastic prospect um, that is worth exploring uh, by the Waratahs going forward um, th- over the next couple of years. I thought, particularly um, um, alongside Staniforth, he really excelled and really. Yeah. Um, having a that more that super rugby player next to him kind of really forced him to play. Um, like really made him step him step up, and yeah. I think that that was reflected in the fact that you had a really dominant New South Wales country scrub. Um, yeah, no, I can that was that mm, yeah exactly. And I think lo- lo- leading on from that, we'll go into uh, into Noel Alessio. Um, and I'd been hearing about this guy before the season had even started because he'd been touted as a really great prospect to um, within Canberra, and until he he had those couple like those and the couple of games that we got to see with him he was absolutely fantastic do you think though brett that even though he did get a nomination that we saw the best of him this season um it's a, it's a really good question um i think we saw some of his best but i yeah i think it's really fair to say he wasn't quite at his consistent best so he got the round 3 nomination and he was really strong through the first three rounds. He round four and five probably weren't his best games. And, and it was probably a combination of that and it being a long season with the, you know, junior, junior Wallabies. He um, played on and off for Tuggerong and they all went, went all the way through the grand final as well. Um, and they needed to get some game time into Bailey Kernzel, who then played the last two games and has looked really, really good to the point where, I don't know what Nick Scrivener is going to do this weekend. We'll find out on on Thursday, mm. obviously. But uh, I genuinely don't know which way he'll go for this semi final, which is obviously a really nice position for him to, to be in. Um, Noah Noah's going to be, and, and I've seen a bit of him over the last couple of years. Um, he went from Colts to first grade to NRC within the space of about four months last year, um, yeah. and even just Colts to first grade. Um, he went from Colts to getting a bit of a game off the bench in, in ones to starting at outside centre to making the ACT team of the year, uh, the, the John O'Dent Cup team of the year at outside centre last year, then moved into moved into the into 12 in the first semi-final, played 10 for the preliminary final, the grand final, um, and was player of the, player of the grand final last year in mm. 10. So he's gone from being pretty promising Colts player to, you know, the standout player on the field 
uh, as as the primary playmaker in the space of about two months, and it was just it was just incredible last year. This year, the the rise hasn't quite been so rapid, and that's because the expectation has been there, and there's been more eyes on him, and and he certainly hasn't had it all his way in first grade uh, down here, but he is looking much more mature as a player. He's not. He's still got the the brilliance about him, but he's much more measured, and he's he's his tactical kicking has really come on well this year. Um, has got a decent amount of versatility. He played twelve alongside Will Harrison for the Junior Wallabies all this through mm. this this campaign. Um, so he's still got that bit of versatility about him. I think there's there is still a big big future for him, no doubt. But yeah, I'm not a hundred percent sure that 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 for the back half of the NRC that he was he was actually at his best. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, but I will say that I th- I agree with you. I can't wait to see him put on a Brumbies jumper next year and really get the chance to show his stuff, particularly, you know, with uh, with Liliofano going. Yeah, um, and, and, and worth, worth mentioning Bailey, Bailey Kernsall there again because they're very, very mm. different ends. But, um, Bailey's a lot taller. He's, um, you see him on the field and you, and you actually think he could be – like a 12 or a 13 or a, or a big fullback. He's got that build about him. Um, mm. Whereas, whereas Noah's a bit shorter. Um, I wouldn't say stockier. They're probably built similarly in proportion, but um, just a bit shorter. And so probably a little bit more agile around the field, because I know if I was th- that sort of size, I'd be wanting to avoid contact as much as I could. And I did, let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but Bailey, Bailey Kernsel's probably, a bit better equipped to play that more direct game. And we've seen that from him um, as the Vikings have played that more direct game in the last two weeks. So there's no doubt, just as just as Harrison and, and Mac Mason, it's going to be really interesting for the Waratahs next year. Uh, Lessio and Kernsel for the, for the Brumbies next year is going to be just as fascinating. Yeah, exactly. And it's just, it's again, like you mentioned earlier, it's good to see so many um, flyer halves um, put their yeah. starting to put their hand up and hopefully Absolutely. it will lead to some more success. Um, but speaking of uh, of of success, I think our round four nominee is a player that I, in my opinion, I think got leading on from the question of who we think is the, is the tipped person to win it. This is the one for me. So when Fraser McWright was, I mean, I'd heard quite a bit about him from the under-20s, how well he had done there. Um, and I, even though I'd heard all of that, I was quite sceptical about such a young player being named as captain of Brisbane City. And mm. I'm so glad that I was so wrong to see that because mm. I thought his performance over the course of the season, it's a pity that, again, leading on from that that curse of the rising star that he got injured um, and was and had to miss the last game that uh, they played against the rising, um, I thought it was absolutely fantastic in terms of his of, uh, ability to... His leadership was outstanding. Yeah. He yeah. was his leadership. He was, and it's so good to see it in such a young prospect. He was fantastic in terms of um, defense. He was, I think, he was second in the competition for turnovers. One. He was also second in terms of actually of offloads. It yeah. just, it was a very. I just saw a, a something in that performance that almost was like seeing a young David Pocock, a young Michael Hooper. And dare I say it, it's, he looks like a future Wallabies captain, in my eyes. He's just he's just a natural leader, isn't he? Ca- yeah. Captain Captain Brothers this year, didn't he? Captain the uh, yeah, he did the, the junior junior Wallabies. So he's had a hell of a year already, um, and just super impressive. Just just super impressive. And uh, I spoke to um, I spoke to Marty Lippiet up in Queensland about um, about Fraser McWright. And, and and obviously Marty see, has seen a fair bit of him this year, calling uh, calling the Queensland Premier Rugby up there as well. Um, and he said he said something that stuck with me. He said early early on in the season we started we you know we, we see him coming through and he's got this bright red and white headgear and and you know it's it's like it's like playing with white boots back in the day or it's sort of when someone runs out with pink boots on now you're thinking yeah, you want to be if you're going to stand out like that you're going to have to you want to be pretty good aren't you? Um, and he just <laughs> And he just is. Yeah, <laughs> so, he is. So, so, so Marty, Marty's thought was that, that, you know, he's not just doing it to stand out. He's doing it because he wants to stand out. And then because he 
stands out, you naturally see and you naturally focus on just how good he is. Um, He's, he's had an incredible season. Um, I, (laughs) I got about, he he was one of those ones where I knew he was going to be a nominee at some point. Um, It was just a matter of, of, of when, you know, when was the right time. And then just as I decided on him for round four, I thought, hang on, he played a bit of super rugby this year. Uh, and as I mentioned before, the, um, the, the, the eligibility criteria is that you need to have played three or fewer games of super rugby this year. Mm. Fraser Wright played three games off the bench for, for the Reds this year and was named in a fourth but never played. Technicalities. So we've got him on a technicality, um, and <laughs> and we can be and, and so he was actually named for his named for a debut in round two, I think, but never got on. Um, and you think his three games were round seven, eight, ten, or something like that. So he played a couple of games mid-season before. But it must have been either just before or just it must it must have been just before the junior, junior Wallabies campaign. Mm. Um, so, yeah, we can we can just be thankful for um, for for Brad Thorne's uh, apprehension in round two. Yeah, and it's I think it's indicative of of the the Reds' mentality of really being going. We're going to try and use this NRC system to really create a team of of create a system of depth, and that's not something that and I think it's it's something that the Reds fans have really had to. Have had had to have a lot of patience for, but it, you build it over time, and it's starting to show now in terms of well, that talent that's coming through. And then that leads us into the round five nominee. Exactly. Um, very nicely, because everything that we've just said about Fraser McWright um, also also applies to Harry Wilson. And I mean, you were talking stats before. He leads leads the competition for carries, uh, leads it for offloads as well. Um, you know, he's just. His ability to his ability to, to take the contact with ball in hand and then get the ball away has just been absolutely incredible. Um, and he is going to be a very very good player to the point where you think about Fraser McWright and Will and Will Will Harrison. Uh, sorry, Will <laughs> Harry Wilson. This can be complicated for commentators. Isn't it? Will Harrison, Will Harris, Harry Wilson, not to mention the not to mention the string of Harrys and Wills out there in uh, their age about nine to twenty at the moment. Harry Wilson. Um, then you think like so. That's just coming through this year, and then you know Sam, Sam Wallace has been with Brisbane City for for a while as well. And then you think about Liam Wright is sort of established. You know, played made made his Wallabies debut this year. Adam Scott Young, I'm quite sure, will play for Australia at some point. Um, Adam Korshik has, has had to play a lock for for, for Brisbane this mm. this year. The strength of their back row, um, and you know, there's going to be some very very good back rowers struggling to get a game for the Reds next year. Mm. It's I think it's one of those position the one of those positions for Brad Thorne where it's like it's it, in the past you would have been worried about the people you put on the park now he's got the right kind of problem where he's got so many options available to him yeah. that um and that's great that's that's what we want that's what we want in australian rugby in general we just want more depth yeah. and but he's, been, he's been absolutely phenomenal um harry wilson mm. he's just been he's um his work around the around the ground is um really his defense is really good uh, you know we've talked about his ball carrying um and just really exciting for a number eight. That's that's been the, the the big thing for me. Yeah, exactly. And I think he, for me, he was he was a big part in the country's resurgence um, yeah. coming into the back of the season. Just seeing the amount of effort that he put in in terms of uh, his ability around scr- around the scrum and around yeah. again that leadership position, um, I thought was really fantastic. And it's uh, really. Uh, a really positive sign to see that there is so much strength coming up in uh, in that role. Yeah. And leading yeah. on from that, um, going, we already have touched on Brian Rawson a bit, but to mention on the fact that in terms of finishes, him and Jonah Placid have been going toe to toe this <laughs> year. Um, in terms, of, I think Jonah Placid ended the ended the regular season with the most number of tries scored with eight, and then Brian uh, Brian Ralston was right behind him. 
with seven. In, yeah, right. I think, do you think, particularly if we want, in terms of finishes, do you think seeing the force with this, we have kind of touched on it a little bit, but the system they've got in place with Global Rapid Rugby, really entertaining style, where finishing is really a, a, an important part. Do you think that with Brian Ralston developing uh, as a winger, that this will be, it'll be a great place for him to, to grow and develop? Um, it. If 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 what he elects to do is is have a season or two in Perth, I don't think that hurts him as a mm. as nineteen twenty twenty one year old because certainly global rapper rugby flows neatly into the NRC. I think they're very similar games. There's obvious differences with the variations, but they're the games are fairly similar. They're they're certainly very much about ball in hand and, and scoring tries. Um, and then and when you think as well about the Reds and and they've got Jock Campbell and they've got Filippo Dangunu and 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 obviously Bryce Hegarty's still going to be there to play to play fullback. They've they've you know he I don't think he walks into a Reds wing spot next year. Mm. So so the chance to develop in a professional program and to be playing at a decent level, um, I, I think wouldn't be a bad thing for him. Even if his long term plan is to um, to, to ultimately end up back in the Reds. Um, I think he can still do that, even if he has a season or two in Perth. Mm, yeah, I agree. And I, th- I think if with their with their um, reg- with a regular season coming up, I think he he's really going to flourish there if he chooses to to stick around and could develop into a really fantastic Wallaby prospect um, going forward. Um, and I think that leads us very nicely onto our final nominee. And I'm really glad that Will Harris got. Um, got to mention here because we've been talking stats um for a lot of these players for me will harris is that workhorse that guy that just gets down and dirty and works his ass off in terms of first of all with attack with his with the carries forward um it's just the that kind of real or forward mentality of of getting in getting the work done and it's been that was reflected i think in his junior wallabies um efforts you know because he's been a member of of you know, that started out when he was in eastern suburbs and kind of was really seen as a great uh, prospect there, went into the Junior Wallabies and, and now into the NRC. I think in terms of that kind of old, more old-school uh, role, because he normally plays lock, and to see him really excel as well in that number eight position, I think is fantastic. He's done he's done really, really well at number eight. Uh, look, I went, I went down to, to Viking Park last week wanting to have a really close a close look at, at Mark Nwangatwazi. Um, mm. But very quickly found myself watching Will Harris because he's just and, and I wrote it I wrote that in the in the piece on Tuesday that he's just he's a literal standout. And there was a there was a moment early on where New South Wales country forwards were walking into a line out and if you couldn't see the numbers on their back and you didn't know who was who, you could easily have assumed that Will Harris was one of the locks because he is the same height as mm. Patrick Taffer. They're both only a centimetre or two, um, you know, shorter than uh, than Tom Staniforth. So he, he's, he's, there's a big presence about him. Um, you know, he's, he's got a big frame, uh, knows how to use it in contact, knows how to make the hit, um, carries really well. And he's not, he's not even 19 and a half yet. He's still going to be eligible for the Junior Wallabies next year. So it's just – it's such an exciting prospect. It really is to see a number eight with that sort of skill. And it's a bit of a, it's a, bit of a cliche about young players, but he's going to be really, really handy when he grows into his body because he's, he's got a big frame already. But mm. you can see there's still a bit of puppy fat about him. So when, mm. when that falls off and, and it's replaced by, um, by proper – by some proper muscle, he could be anything. He really could be anything. And, you know, think two or three or four years down the track, I don't know how you're going to try and fit Will Harris and, uh, Will Harris and, um, and Harry Wilson into a Wallaby squad next to each other. Yeah, it's... Yeah, and it's it's yeah, it's the right kind of challenge. It's the right kind of problem you want to have, having depth Absolutely. and having options there. Absolutely. Yeah, I think well we've been touching on the, uh, the 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 all of the prospects that and the prospects that have seen through the season so far. But I think to finish off this podcast, we'll now dive into what's going to be a really really fascinating 
batch of semi-final games this weekend. So to start off, um, the Western Force will be hosting their first ever home semi-final. Um, which, against... which is extraordinary, isn't it? They've played, it is. in, they've played in four finals campaigns in five seasons and have never hosted a final. Mm, which I think, uh, yeah, it's amazing. In fr- <laughs> frankly, yeah. considering the quality of rugby they've been having, that they've been putting they've out. They did two finals and they've won a title once. And they're still mm. yet to host the final. It's it's incredible. Yeah, and they'll be hosting Brisbane City, who, which I think will be a really interesting matchup considering the result of the game that happened there last time. Um, and I think that's going to be a really uh, fantastic match. In addition to the fact that the force, the Western Force WA rugby crowd, always turn up. Um, mm. for these ones here and I think there's no sight better you know, when it comes to the NRC than seeing the hill uh, at UWA Sports Park filled to the brim with people and I'm really excited to see uh, what uh, what they'll have installed there and then the other match of the weekend uh, which is the Canberra Vikings down in Viking Park um, hosting the Fijian Drua who the uh, the late the guys the, the team which had the the late surge and made it into scraped into the top into the top four um, to That's defend James, the, of course. yeah exactly so Brett I know that uh, it's it, predicting these games is going to be quite difficult uh, considering how close a lot of these matches have been this season but who do you see going to the grand final next week uh, look, I think. Um... I haven't seen anything over seven rounds to change my mind that that the Force and Canberra are the are the, are the favourites, and so and mm. I still think we'll see them play the final the following week. So, um, had had New South Wales country got through, um, I would have given them a decent chance of of, um, of of upsetting and winning through. But I I don't think Fiji and Brisbane City are quite as um, quite as consistent across the park as, as the force and camera. So I, I think, um, I think the two favorites face off. Yeah. Look, I, I know we've been talking about, uh, talking about that this, we had a feeling that, that it was going to be always be the force and the Vikings, um, playing off here. I, I, I'm pretty convinced that the, that the final will be in, uh, in Perth next week. I think even though Brisbane city are a fantastic, uh, fantastic squad and will be a, a really tough prospect for this force outfit. Um, I do think that uh, the force will be very, will be exceptionally motivated. And I think that, uh, that Brisbane, it, it'll just be too much for Brisbane. The Drua Vikings. I'm not, I'm not as convinced. I think that while the, while the Vikings have uh, shown up the Drua plenty of times in Canberra, the, to come back, uh, the, for the Druid to come back and, and get to the position they've got in, um, which I think the last, I mean, the last time they the two teams played each other, I think, was all the way back in round, uh, which one was it? Uh, round five. Since then, I f- the Druid have really come into their own. Um, I think uh, that'll be a much more, uh, much tougher prospect. Um yeah, so that's the – if there's any game yeah. that I think there will be an upset, I think it'll be that. But I do still at the same time – we've been talking about the Force and the Vikings being the favourites all year. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't disagree with that. I think if Canberra had their choice, they would play – they would have played that game at 7 o'clock on mm. Sunday instead of 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And, then, and I only have to think back to – it was either last year or the season before, and the Drua come down here and in the in, in the middle of a round it was, and they had to play on a Friday night or a Saturday night it might have been, and it was about eight degrees, and they mm. just did not just did not enjoy it at all. So, mm. um, look, I I think I think the fact that it is three o'clock kickoff will certainly help Fiji, um, but I think Canberra have over the last couple of weeks. Despite not necessarily playing, certainly haven't played 80 minutes, mm. but they have just got a really good platform. Um, and if anyone, if if you're going to try and slow Fiji down, you need a good platform to do that. Um, yeah. And and I think I think the Vikings have got that. So look, I, I hope both semi-finals are close, but it actually wouldn't surprise me if if they're 
if there's a you know decent margin in both of them. Yeah, um, it's look, it's going to be an interesting round of footy, no matter what. Um, it's really exciting. Can't wait for it. Um, yeah. So I think that'll probably um, will probably wrap us up um, for this episode. And I uh, it's I reckon it's going to be a really fantastic weekend of rugby. Thank you, thanks so much once again, Brett, for coming on. No, no worries, mate. It's, um, it's, it has been a really enjoyable season, and and as I say, you've you've probably had a search a bit harder for it this year than, than in recent years, but that's not necessarily a bad thing because um, anyone who has made the effort to try and watch a bit of the NRC this year has been well and truly rewarded. Um, so, yeah, it's been a great competition. I'm sure both semis will be, um, will be great games this weekend and that'll just uh, set us up for a cracking final next weekend. Yeah, exactly, and uh, I can't wait to see the the two teams that'll make it. Um, so, yeah, so for everyone, uh, for all listeners, um, the match, this weekend, Western Force will be playing Brisbane City at UWA Sports Park um, at 12 o'clock kickoff time on Saturday. Um, so that'll be 12 o'clock local time, rather. Um, and then the following uh, the following day on Sunday at 3 p.m. down at Viking Park in Canberra, the Vikings will be hosting the Drua. Um, so that'll wrap us up for this episode of the Dropped Kickoff, and we'll catch you the next time around. But what did go wrong? I have to look, look and think about it. Think about it deeply, very deeply. Did it hinge in the end on a bit of genius from Sirly Bombo? Bit of genius, bit of magic. Sirly Bombo, very interesting, very good, yeah, very good. Three cheers for Sirly Bombo, very good, very good. <laughs>